Chapter eleven of Audrey Craven by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter eleven. It was in no direct accordance with his literary plans, though it may have been preordained in some divine scheme of chances, that Wyndham found himself next Sunday attending Evensong at St. Teresa's Lambeth it so happened that audrey and the havilands had chosen that very evening to go and hear or as ted expressed it see flaxman reed he wanted flaxman reed's head for a study ted seldom condescended to enter any church of later date than the fifteenth century and architecturally speaking he feared the worst from st teresa's indeed smoke fog and modern gothic genius have made the outside of that building one with the grimy street it stands in and ted was not prepared for the golden beauty of the interior his judgment halted as if some magic effect of colour had blinded it to stunted form and pitiful perspective but the glory of st teresa's is its music the three late-comers were shown into seats in the chancel as the choir were singing the magnificat music was the one art to which audrey's nature responded spontaneously after its kind she knelt down and covered her face with her hands for a prayer's space while the voices of the choir and organ shook her on every side with a palpable vibration she was conscious then of a deep sense of religion merging in a faint expectancy a premonition of things to follow she rose from her knees and found an explanation of this in the fact that langley wyndham was standing in the opposite seat below the choir she was not surprised for her the unexpected was always about to happen it had happened now she tried not to see or think of him but she felt him as something illuminating and intensifying her consciousness she heard the vicar's voice like a fine music playing in the background then organ and choir burst into the anthem it was a fugue the voices seemed to have gathered together from the ends of the world flying pursuing and flying doubled trebled quadrupled in their flight they met and parted they overtook and were overtaken and now it was no longer a fugue of sounds it was a fugue of all sensations the incense rose and mingled with the music the music fled and rose up among the clustering gas-jets up to the chancel roof where it lost itself in a shimmering labyrinth of gold and silver and died in a diminuendo of light and sound audrey looked up and as her eyes met wyndham's it seemed as if a new and passionate theme had crashed into her fugue dominating its harmonies while the whole rushed on more intricate more tumultuous than before her individuality that had swum with the stream became fluent and coalesced with it now soul flooded with sense and sense with soul she came to herself exhausted and shivering with cold flaxman reed was in the pulpit he stood motionless with compressed lips and flashing eyes as he watched the last deserters softly filing out through the side aisles the lights were turned low in nave and chancel ted wriggled in his seat until he commanded a good view of the fine head in faint relief against a grey-white pillar stone on stone and flaxman reed flung out his text like a challenge to the world the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal the words suggested something piquantly metaphysical magnificently vague and audrey followed the sermon a little way the flaxman reed was in his austerest most militant mood he was a master of antithesis and to audrey there was something repellent in his steel-clad thoughts 
his clear diamond-pointed sentences no eloquence had any charm for her that was not as water to reflect her image or as wind to lift and carry her along her fancy soon fluttered gently down to earth and she caught herself wondering whether wyndham would walk back to piccadilly or go in a hansom she was still pursuing this train of thought as they left the church when she proposed that they should go back to chelsea by westminster instead of lambeth bridge wyndham overtook them as they turned down to the river by st thomas's hospital he stopped while audrey pointed out the beauty of the scene with her little air of unique appreciation isn't it too lovely for words the suggestion the mystery of it her voice had a passionate impatience as if she chafed at the limitations of the language who says london's cold and grey it's blue and yet what would it be without the haze wyndham smiled inscrutably perhaps he wondered what miss audrey craven would be without the haze what did you think of the service she asked presently by this time she and wyndham were walking together a little in advance of the others i didn't hear it i was watching flaxman reed all the time this statement as audrey well knew was not strictly correct so was i my uncle says if he stays in the church he'll be the coming man the coming man hm. he's been going back ever since i knew him at present he's got to the thirteenth century he may arrive at the nicene age but he'll never have a hold on his own he's nothing but a holy anachronism oh i thought you didn't understand him in one way i do in another i don't you see i knew him at oxford when i was a happy undergraduate audrey could not imagine langley wyndham ever being an undergraduate it seemed to her that he must always have been a master of arts i knew the real flaxman reed and he was as logical a sceptic as you or i there was an epidemic of ideas in our time and the poor fellow was frightened so he took it badly of course he made up his mind that he was going to die and he was horribly afraid of dying so instead of talking about his interesting symptoms as you or i might do you or i again that flattering association he quickly got rid of the disease by attacking its source how well i forget the precise treatment but i think he took equal parts of st augustine and st thomas aquinas diluted with aqua sacra he gave me the prescription but i preferred the disease at any rate he was in earnest deadly earnest that's the piety of the fraud you surely don't call him a fraud well a self-deceiver isn't that the completest and most fatal form of fraud he fights and struggles to be what he isn't and calls it renouncing self he renounces the world too and everything that's pleasant i'm afraid that doesn't impress me i can't forget that he renounced reason because it was unpleasant rather than bear a little spiritual neuralgia he killed the nerve of thought how terrible said audrey though she had no very precise notion of what was involved in that operation to us not to him yet he talks about doing good work for his generation why shouldn't he he works hard enough unfortunately his generation doesn't want his work or him either it's too irrevocably pledged to reality there's one thing about him though his magnificent personality i believe he has unlimited influence over some men and most women audrey ignored the last suggestion you seem to find him very interesting he is profoundly interesting not in himself so much but in his associations do you know when i saw you in church to-night it struck me that he might possibly influence you never i should have to give up my intellect first i suppose i'm not prepared to do that 
Wyndham smiled again. Why, what made you think he would influence me? I'd no right to think anything at all about it, but I know some women take him for a hierophant. Some women? Do you think I'm like them? You are like nothing but yourself. I was only afraid that he might persuade you to renounce yourself and become somebody else, which would be a pity. Don't be alarmed. I'm not so impressionable as you think. Aren't you? Be frank. Didn't you feel tonight that he might have a revelation for you? No. And yet it's odd you should say so. I have felt that, but not with him. I shall never come under that influence. I hope not. It was delightful to have Langley Wyndham hoping and being afraid for her. He belongs to the dead, you to the living. What a thing it is to have a sense of style, to know the words that consecrate a moment. They were crossing Westminster Bridge now, and Audrey looked back. On the Lambeth end of the bridge, Ted and Catherine were leaning over the parapet. She looked at them as she might have looked at two figures in a crowd. Lambeth and St. Teresa's seemed very far away. She said so, and her tone implied that she had left illusion behind her on the Surrey side. Wyndham said good-bye at Westminster. Audrey was not quite pleased with his manner of hailing a hansom. It implied a conscious loss of valuable time. What fools we were to let him catch us up, said Ted, as they walked towards Pimlico. Audrey made no answer. She was saying to herself that Langley Wyndham had read her, and, well, she hardly thought he would take the trouble to read anything that was not interesting. End of chapter 11 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.